Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. Offering the best deals on sofas, dining furniture, beds, home accessories and so much more. Now, while the Limerick Today show was on air yesterday, a clarification came through from the Department of Education that children who don't wear face masks won't be refused entry to school. The department issued new guidance to parents. It's the latest in a series of measures due to concerns of the Omicron strain of COVID. Locally uh, joining us is locally based Dr Yvonne Williams from the National Association of GP practitioners. Good morning to you, Dr. Williams. How are you? Good morning. Uh, just to clarify that the NAGP is no longer actually in, in existence, so that, that organisation isn't operational anymore. All right. Oh, apologies for that. Um, so explain to me, um, you know, what your own thoughts are on this change in the face mask requirement. I think it's a much more practical, I suppose, in a common sense approach. And I think it will generally be welcomed by, by GPs, by parents um, and by, by the older children. What we're hearing and what we're seeing in practice and from colleagues who are teachers is that most children are, are wearing the masks and it hasn't been as much of an issue as, as may have been anticipated. And I think it's about working with parents if they are worried about the children wearing a mask um, and to try and address any concerns that they might have. Nobody wants to see children missing out on school. They miss so much in the last two years that that's not what anybody wants. Yvonne, how are the GPs coping at the moment? Uh, we're under pressure, like like the doctors in the hospital, I suppose. We're, we're trying to vaccinate all our high-risk patients. We've, we've vaccinated everybody over 70 and over 80, I think, at this stage in the Midwest. And we're working with the over 50s and, and the high-risk groups. And then on top of that, I suppose we have quite a significant number of COVID calls and COVID-related um, calls every day. And then a proportion of our patients have long COVID as well. So they require support and input from us too. So it's, it's busy. Um, we have such a backlog from when all the outpatient clinics were shut and surgeries were deferred. So all those people that are waiting on waiting lists, um, I suppose they're, they're having problems while they're waiting and they need to see their GPs much more often than if they had their, their surgeries done last year or the year before. Were you asked by any parents for medical exemption notes for their children for these face masks? No, we didn't have a single call for an exemption and that's generally the feedback we're getting you know, from colleagues around the country. I think we maybe underestimated um, parents want to protect their children as well and they don't want COVID coming back into the house and they run up to Christmas or, or any time of the year because it's the adults really who will get more sick. So from a selfish point of view as a parent, it, it's good. <laughs> um, the lower the risk of the children getting COVID, the better for the whole house. Yes, we did see hundreds turn out to a protest in Dublin at the weekend. You know, there are plenty of parents who aren't happy about it as well. But this seems to be maybe a middle ground where, you know, the the school is asked to engage with the parents rather than immediately deciding the child can't attend. Yeah, I think so. And look, we know there's 6% of the population who seem to be sort of resolute in in, in not wanting to get a vaccine. And and some of that 6%, they're going to be parents. So I think there's a minority who will be anti-vaccine, anti-mask wearing. We're never going to get 100% buy-in for that, no matter what the science is is saying. And some parents would have genuine concerns. You know, children who would have difficulties with their hearing and children with sensory issues or autism will will struggle wearing a mask. But no one is expecting those children to have to wear one. And I think, you know, a sensible approaches is what we're seeing now. I'm hearing a lot from people about their, you know, not finding it very difficult to get an appointment with GPs. I mean, listening to what you're saying about how all the the backlog that you're dealing with, it's not surprising. Um, Is that the case with your own practice? Do people find it difficult uh, to even to get through sometimes to the GP clinic? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's difficult to get through to any of the hospital secretaries, difficult to get through to Shannon doctors, delays, difficult to get through to our own surgery and, and my own GP if I'm ringing. So it, it does take time. It's taking longer to get through and generally a couple of days to get an appointment uh, for most things. We're still doing far better than they are in the UK. I know from talking to relatives and friends over there where I trained, it, it's 10 or 14 days to get an appointment with a practice nurse or a GP. So if you're very unwell, it's, it's the emergency department or or not, you know, so we're doing a lot better than they are in many areas, but we're really short-staffed. There aren't enough GPs in Ireland to meet the needs of the population, and that was the the way things were before COVID ever landed. Can I ask you about a a story that kind of, I suppose, was on a a social media channel, took off a little bit, because somebody tweeted that uh, they were told by their GP one symptom only, um, and that they weren't allowed to share uh, symptoms. Well, what are your own thoughts on that? There were different reactions to it. Some people were saying that their GP allowed them to talk for as long as possible and or whatever and list as many symptoms. Um, but others saying, no, it's one problem only with their, their GP. Is it common practice? I think it, it depends on what what the problem is. So what might seem as something minor to, to a patient could actually have possibly quite serious causes. So most practices now have appointment-only systems. The appointments can be 10 minutes or 15. Within that time frame, you have to sterilise or team down the room after somebody coming in now because of COVID and to screen your patients for COVID symptoms before they come in to protect the patients that are coming in afterwards and to protect staff. So time is tight and you want to deal with each problem properly. You know, you don't want to rush through things and maybe miss something important it could be a symptom of underlying cancer or, or whatever that might be. So I think if an appointment is needed, you know, a full 10 minutes to deal with one particular problem, then you're going to need a second appointment if you have a list of problems or a backlog. Or perhaps when you're booking to book a double appointment, we always ask patients if it's anything to do with mental health to book a double appointment because that takes a lot more time than dealing with maybe a rash. Yeah. And do you have an experience I've heard of people who, you know, they store up their appointments so they get value for money there are symptoms so they get value for money when they go in you know they they don't want to go with a small problem so they go in with 10 small problems that they want to list out does that happen it does and I mean it's just simply not realistic or practical you know we have had patients walk in with like four A4 pages of symptoms (laughs) written out and it would take you the full 10 minutes simply to read through the list so I would ask patients at the start you know if they have more than one thing what's the most important What what are they most worried about if they have a list I'll quickly scan it because sometimes things might be connected uh, from a medical point of view, but the patient might not necessarily realise that there's a link between perhaps a red eye and a sore knee. But to me, you know, that could be an important link to maybe an underlying condition. So we will generally prioritise the, the first or the second um, thing on the list. But people will have to come back if you have 10 different problems. That's not going to be sorted out in 10 minutes. And it's not practical or safe to, to try and do it that way, you know. And what do you think of, you know, the public's awareness of, of COVID symptoms? I mean, we've, we've all been hearing for the last two years and you'd believe that everybody understands that if you have a cough, uh, you know, you're supposed to book a PCR test and get tested and assume that it's COVID before you decide yourself. But I'm still hearing of people saying, oh, I have a chest infection. Oh, it's definitely not COVID. You know, people say that sort of thing. Do you get that? Do, do they call the every, GP? Every day, every day. It's... Our poor receptionists have, have a mantra that, that, you know, and I hear them every morning. I might be walking a patient out to the door or bringing somebody and I'll hear them saying, well, no, you can't just presume it's the same cough you get every year. Or, oh, yeah, we do. We have a huge amount of people. I think it's maybe COVID fatigue. They're just tired of COVID, tired of having to go for a test. But yet there is still a huge um, 
reluctance to go for a COVID test when people have a cough or a temperature because in their head they, they don't want COVID, they don't want the inconvenience of a test and, and they want to believe that it's just the same cough that they got three years ago or five years ago. But in reality, without a PCR test, you, you can't know that. Yeah, and it may be very familiar, seem familiar and be similar to a cough you've had a few years ago, but that doesn't really say anything, does it? No, I mean, COVID is this great pretender. You know, it can be a runny nose, just like a head cold. It can be, you're a little bit blocked up, just like a sinus infection. It can just be a sore throat. You might have a temperature for a few hours and feel just a little bit shivery, a little bit off. Younger kids might just get diarrhea. Maybe once or twice they might vomit. And that can be it. It masks, you know, it masquerades almost everything that you would be getting this time of the year. So it's, it's frustrating for people, I think, you know, that they have to go for these COVID tests. But we really do need to do it until everybody has had their booster um, and until we have greater immunity in the community. And tell me as well, Yvonne, this story that uh, appeared in the Irish Daily Mail, one uh, doctor in Newcastle West, this is Dr Michelle O'Connor, she's quoted as saying, I have previously had to go into work with appendicitis, the flu and with the vomiting bug, all because I could not get a locum at short notice. What do you make of that? I mean, are we it's that the, badly stuck? It doesn't surprise me and I feel sorry for Michelle. I know she's working hard down there in West Limerick. I haven't been able to, to get a locum in the practice in the last, I think, two years. It's it's impossible. We looked at hiring staff from South Africa, from Malaysia, but we couldn't get permits sorted to, to bring them into work. Most GPs I know um, are really struggling. We can't get time off to go on, on courses to update our skills. We can't get time off when we're sick. We can't get time off when our relatives are sick. And that is really stressful. You know, if, if one of my kids are ill, it's sort of what neighbour, what friend could you ask me? maybe to look after them or you're, you're calling on your colleagues locally to, to do you a favour and maybe look after your patients for an afternoon um, and there's no government plan I suppose to help GPs, they see us as, as individuals even though the vast majority of our work is, is for HSE patients or people with medical cards and doctor visit cards but it's, it's not sustainable I mean a lot of my colleagues in their 40s are, are no longer just able to work five days a week or even four days a week because the workload is, is really demanding, the days are long, you know they're 12 hour days by the time your paperwork is done. Um, so it's a ticking time bomb, really. I think a huge amount of GPs are, are going to leave early or retire early if it keeps going like this. And are rural areas more badly affected? They are, but I know from friends last year working in Cork City and I've, I've friends in Galway City who haven't been able to find over the course of two or three years other doctors to join their practice. You know, when doctors retired, they can't replace them. So it's particularly bad in the west of Ireland, but it, it's a problem in, in Cork and Galway and Limerick City as well. Dublin is relatively protected um, just by virtue of this was the population there and the amount of, of doctors living there. Tom has called us on 461995. He wants to know uh, house calls. Are they a thing of the past or are any GPs still doing house calls? We're doing them when we can, but because of how overbooked we are, I suppose we're fully booked every day and then additional double booking for, for things that are urgent that we try and see. I, I don't know any GP who takes a lunch break. <laughs> Generally anymore, you might maybe take 10 or 15 minutes. So if somebody rang for a house call on a Monday, the, the nearest hour-long slot we might have available might be a Friday. A lot of people who need house calls really do need assessment in the emergency department. If you're that ill that you can't get out of your bed to come five minutes or ten minutes down the road to the surgery, you're, you're probably quite ill. I did a house call last week but it was to a patient who has cancer who's dying of cancer, so we, we try and do them when we can, but it, it's very difficult. You have to probably turn down six or seven other people who need an appointment in order to get out to do that one house call. So you're trying to balance the, the needs of the practice and, and the greater needs of the patients you're looking after. So, from what you're telling me, Yvonne, it 
we're talking to Dr. Yvonne Williams here, a, a GP, and from what you're saying, the pandemic's obviously having a big impact, but even if the pandemic were to, to go tomorrow, we'd still be in a difficult situation when it comes to GPs if these locums are not available. We're still in a very difficult situation and, and we have been calling on the, the government and the, the HSE to, to help out with that for, for quite a few years now, but it, it's not a priority for them, I think. We're not uh, HSE employees, so if we're sick, um, the message we get from, from HSE is that we need to ask a friend, you know, ask your colleagues to, to pick up the slack. There isn't any pathway in place where we can apply for a locum if we haven't had a day off in two years or if we're sick or I know I had a case where a, a patient had been involved in an accident many years ago when there was a high court case pending I was subpoenaed to testify on behalf of that patient and I didn't have locum cover I couldn't find any through an agency and when I approached the HSE to see could they help out I, I was told they couldn't do anything and um, that I, I couldn't go I'd be in breach of my contract if I left the practice to be on standby in Dublin and I was told I'd be in breach of a high court subpoena if I didn't go to Dublin so thankfully the case was settled on, on the doorsteps of the high court the first morning but I, I was left between a rock and a hard place and there's no help for wow. GPs who can't find cover. That's that's astonishing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you make a decision in, in that situation. Yeah, it was kind of lucky that it resolved without you having to make one, but very, very difficult. Okay, well, look, it sounds like it's a lot of pressure on our health service. We know all around, but GPs in particular. So anybody, you know, who's, who's looking for appointment, have patience, keep trying and... Um, maybe lobby your public representatives to do a little bit more to support our GPs. Dr Yvonne Williams, thanks for joining us on Limerick Today this morning. Thank you very much. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With the Harvey Norman Black Friday sale. Offering the best deals on sofas, dining furniture, beds, home accessories and so much more.